0: Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. So, um... I'm excited about this concept, reaching out your hand. I think that there are a lot of reasons why background, failure, um, uh, uh, discouragement, busyness, that we kind of hold back what God wants to do in our life. And it's so easy how quickly we take our name out of contention to be used by God I really believe that more people would be used by God if the enemy wasn't in their ear saying but look at all these things you're bad at or look at all these issues and here's the thing God picked people with issues because God knew I'm bigger than your issue and if our lit issue is always the thing in front of us holding us back then we'll never step in to what God calls us to do The reality is when we are weak, come on, the Bible says that he is strong. And we want to have a culture that continues to reach out their hand. Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And I want to read this to you real quick. This is a passage that we talked about last week. Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And he entered the synagogue again, he being Jesus. And a man was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. They might accuse him. That's a good, that, that needs to stick out to you. Then he said to the man with a withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. You need to think about that. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their heart, being grieved, is it possible, can, can I give you this thought, is it possible to be in a right place, in a holy place, around great people and around the word of God that can change your life and your heart be too hard to receive it? Come on, somebody. Is there a possibility that my background, my current situation, what I'm thinking is keeping God from really illuminating truth to my life? God, I think that's a, that's a powerful concept that in a great place around the answer, Jesus was the answer They can receive no revelation because of the condition of their heart. Look at this. He was grieved by the hardness of their heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Today I want to give you four quick ways that Jesus ministers people. I want to give you four ways that Jesus ministers to people. The first is Jesus always sees the opportunity. There's always an opportunity. Come on, church, when you came in today, you need to know that Jesus is still wanting and still wanting to take the opportunity to touch people's lives. No matter where they are, how jacked up they are, how messed up they are, what's happened in their life, Jesus is always looking for an opportunity to restore. Come on, this is the good news, not the bad news. It's the good news of the gospel. And in fact, the Bible says that God is looking to to invade our life. And many times, God is the first one that takes a step towards you. In the Bible, it says that you you didn't just choose me. I I chose you. In in John 15, verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I anointed you, appointed you, that you should go, come on, and bear fruit, and fruit that would remain. Whatever you ask in the Father's name, I'm going to give it to you. Now, here's the thing. We need to understand that God has a plan for your life regardless if you have disqualified yourself. Way too many people feel like, well, if God knew what I'd, all, what I'd done, He knows! <laughs> <laughs> like, He knows! Well, if, if all you people knew, well, here's the, de- here's the thing. If we're going to start that... I don't know about you, but I don't want my junk up on the screen. I don't think you want your junk up on the screen. So why don't we all just walk in a little bit of grace here, and let's kind of work through the issues. Does that make sense? Because I don't really want to bear every dark moment of my life to you, and honestly, I don't want you bearing it to me. There's a difference between feeling like I need to go confess some sin, to my brother so that we can be healed and being victimized by continual baggage that keeps us from moving on to what God has for us. Every person in this place has a story. Some are hurting, some are frustrating, some are winning. But the reality is we ha- we cannot measure ourselves against each other we've got to measure ourselves against the capacity come on that God has given us Jesus was headed to church he was headed to a safe place a place where he could study the word a place where his soul could be encouraged where he could encourage others and there he encountered he encountered two different mindsets one man was there with a need and withered and the other were in the room criticizing and trying to stop what God, come on, was doing. Can I tell you, be very careful because some people who show up won't always support you. Come on, there are some people that want to know what's going on in your life because they want to tell you what to do, not really because they're for you doing. Does it make sense? I know I may not be talking to everybody, but I'm sure talking to myself. Listen. (laughs) Listen. Every time you attempt to stretch out your hand, there are going to be critics in the room. Don't ever get mad. Well, I tried to go to that church, and all I'm telling you is there ain't a church you're going to go to that don't have critics there's not a place that you're because here's the deal some people are working through it you have no idea their background some people are in the middle of transformation some people are acting one way but in a year they're not going to be that same way come on but yet so many people get offended well i tried to change but people just keep judging me well you're always going to find critics in the house but you're also going to find people who want to call out your potential speak to that withered area and see you thrive does this make sense we got way too many offended people up in church. Yeah. Yeah. Too many believers, and we've got to manage ourselves. We have a critical response to what God wants to do. We don't want to be critical. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, that church always wants, always pushing you to do something. Better. God a framework. God a life group. Serve, join, do, give. Can I just sit and hear God's word without someone trying to tell me, push me into something? Well, you know what? We need to be more spiritual in our church. We're just not spiritual enough. Well, you know what? They pray all the time, spiritual all the time. Everything, every song they sing is about the anointing of God or spirit or something. Water flowing. I just—it's way too much. It's not, we need more preaching. We need less preaching. We need five more songs. We need two more songs. Songs are loud and they're annoying, dear God. Everyone, we got two electric guitars. Why do we need two electric guitars in 2,000 square feet? Come on. We hear you, brother. Listen, it's amazing how critical. People are. Oh, I love this church, but you know what? I went to the lobby and in between services, you can't even get out. People are all talking to you. Now I know why they have breath mints, because everybody's in your mouth. (laughs) The children's church is great. The children's church, I just think, and it doesn't matter what it is. Come on. Don't be there's a difference between challenging the process we want to challenge the if it's not good we want to make it better there's we are not saying that we are beyond uh, uh, assessment so that's not what you're hearing we want to make it better if something's not good we want to make it better if we can be better in this area or we can be more efficient and there's a lot of people that have come to us and said hey what about this what about this what about this and when they come in a heart that wants us all to be better we're like taking notes let's do this But, <laughs> you, you know, come on, come on, you, you all have family members, you know, don't act like, what are you talking about, come on, you know, can't ever get a haircut right enough, hmm, what'd you do there? I just got a haircut, oh, hmm, listen, listen. Or we have people that are, are, because they've been criticized, they are, they are walking around trying to prove it, and, and there's this offense there. Well, I just know how they feel about me. Well, how do you know? Who have you talked to? Have you talked to them? Have you asked them? Do you know? Well, you know, I just, I, I just know things. I have a spirit of discernment. Come on. Listen. Make sure that it's not a spirit of discernment that is critical because what you may be calling God could be the enemy. Because you don't need a spirit of God to be opinionated about everything. And I've met a lot of people in my life that want their opinions to be holy. But the reality is an opinion, baby. There's principle and there's preference. And come on, we've got to make sure, as the body of Christ, who were the critical people? They were the people that knew the word the best. Is it possible that you can be so close that you really miss the truth? We don't want to be that as a church. The Pharisees, they didn't want anybody to be healed. They wanted separation. They wanted division. Come on, they cared more about the standard than they did about the person. Yeah. When we meet together, it's an opportunity to encourage each other, to see each other, to call out someone's purpose, to restore withered hands, not to marginalize or judge. Come on, God will do that. Romans 14 is very clear. Romans 13 is very clear that we will sit one day at the mercy seat, but that ain't today, ain't that day. There's a day, but it ain't that day. I was talking to a man about three weeks ago. (coughs) <coughs> and I was asking him how he got to the church he and his wife had been coming for about, about four or five months really committed and I began to start talking to him I said hey how, what was your process tell me your, tell me your road he said man we'd moved up in this area both me and my wife got jobs and well, it was bad it was really bad we were fighting all the time you know I, 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 uh, I had gotten into just some things that I, I probably shouldn't have and uh, my wife had a coworker from the house that invited me to church. And so we came, and, and we checked it out, and we loved it. Everybody was friendly. It was great. But you know how life is. Uh, we got busy. We left two weekends, and then all of a sudden, we, we didn't go. And, and, and it got worse. It got worse. My attitude, her attitude, all of it, it. It was just really bad. And she just said, hey, something needs to change, and I think I want to go back to the house. And she came and instantly she met, they met some young adults. They got into the life group. They went through framework. They heard some things that were going on. And, and, and now he was like, you wouldn't even recognize who we were and who we are. That's awesome. Our marriage is thriving. We have friends. We're not alone. God has been moving. We're so excited to be here. I mean, is it, come on. But somebody had to see the opportunity to go up and say, Hey, here's an invitation. Here's an invitation. God wants to see withered hands and withered areas grow back. I believe that marriages can be restored. Relationships, spiritual lives, dreams can come alive. And come on, just because it is withered doesn't mean it stays withered. Come on, just because it is withered doesn't mean it stays withered. You may feel like you're in a season where you know, you're, not, you're withering and you're not flourishing. But God is preparing this church to be a place where opportunities are seen and they happen. Who's the next life group leader? Stretch out your hand. Who's the next person? Who's the next person that's going to invite someone from their work to come? And I'm, all of a sudden, in six months, their marriage, their life, everything's going to be their kids. Come on. Yeah. we got to see the opportunity. Who's the next intern at this church? Who's the next family that's going to open their home and invite a new couple over and just do dinner, just do lunch? Who's the next person that's going to join the dream team? Who's the next teacher? Who's the next taught teacher out front? Who's going to invite their neighbors? and just have a neighbor moment where they're just going to minister, and I'm going to see opportunities. And, and every time I go by my neighbor, they say hi, I say hi, and I've never thought, "Hey, is that an opportunity? That's good. Who's the next giver in this church? Obviously, we have 17 more months here in this location, and I can already tell you where I want to be. Can we tell you? I just really want to tell you. This is what I'm praying for. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm praying. I want to be in Frisco Station Mall. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Now, they may not rent to us. I understand all the stuff. But I'm telling you that I want to be right in the middle of the city where we can do outreach. We can touch people. We, I want to be right. Hello. That's <laughs> where I want to be. Right there. Well, I just don't know if I want to, I I, I just feel like it would change. It will. It'll grow. More people will get saved. More people will get baptized. More people, God will move in the Holy Spirit. It'll be so great. You may lose your chair. You hear what I'm saying? The worst thing ever. When I was a kid, I would play basketball and, we, we were man we were in low-income house we were we had no money come on we were on wick and food stamp we had nothing, nothing. and uh, we were living in Beeville texas and i was playing basketball and um, i was on this team but i didn't have enough money to go out and eat after the games so i kind of had my system i would we would all be in the bus and i would stay in the back and everybody would get off and i would purposely be the last one and i would wait till everybody was out then I would go to the bathroom, and I would stay there for a while till everybody moved through the, the line, and then I would come sit down while everybody was almost done eating and did this three or four times. And um, I'll never forget, like, it was like the fifth game, away game, and I was in the back of the bus. I had waited a long time. I come in, and I'm beelining it right to the bathroom, and the coach, really loudly, you know, coaches have those, like, fear of God, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sexton, get over here and get your money. You left your money out. I was like, I don't have any money. <laughs> and over there was a cup that had Sexton on it. And all the guys had put in a dollar or two dollars. And, and I never, there was never a cup not on the table for the rest of the time that I played basketball. It changed my life. I, 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 almost, I, could, I was almost was overwhelmed. But someone saw the opportunity. And yeah. yeah. church, here's the deal. If you are praying for a revival, but you don't see the opportunity, there is a disconnect right. in what you're praying for. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Because hurting people are, are ready for something fresh yeah. all the time. we got to see the opportunity. The second thing is this. Jesus calls to the needy. Jesus calls to the needy. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 19 says, When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, like was his custom. And he stood up to read read the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Has sent me to proclaim and release the captives, to recovery the, the and recovery to the sight of the blind, and to let all the oppressed be free. To proclaim the years of the Lord, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Listen, that's why we have what we have on our wall. We want people forgiven. We want people free. We want people focused. We want. I believe that, that when we begin to walk into the concepts and principles of God, favor begins to fall on our life. And favor ain't fair. Some things you'll have to work for and manage. Other things, doors will just, come on. Has anybody ever seen doors just open? I have no idea how that happened. I have no idea. I didn't even have the degree for that. I didn't even know how to do that. But all of a sudden, favor happened in my life. All of a sudden, I'm not negating working hard. We are a working hard culture. Does that make sense? Yes. But I'm sure how this man felt. Obscure, insignificant, withered marginalized, looked at. I don't know if you've ever felt like this guy, but here I like this man. I like this man because even though he is not like everybody else, he is still in a life-giving place. You may be on your eighth marriage, but if you'll stay in a life-giving place, I promise you there will be a moment, an intersection, where the Spirit of God comes and meets with you, and all of a sudden, everything begins to flourish. But it's too easy. This man could have, I'm not not going to the synagogue. I know what they think about me. I see the stairs. I know. I see the judgment in their eyes. No, no, I'm not going. I will be over here. Sometimes you got to be in the right place, even if your feelings, come on, are challenged. That's good. That's really good. Listen. He still finds him in a place of worship. I like this man. I don't know what you're praying for today. (coughs) But Jesus calls to the needy. Don't allow your issue to keep you out of the right place. God is a God that enters the house and touches the needy. And listen, I would rather be a house of needy people than self-righteous, informed, astute religious people. Jesus didn't care what they thought. Come on, some of you need to care a little less. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a hard principle to understand because there's two sides of that coin. Some people don't care about it. I don't care. Well, I mean, you have to care. You cannot say, I don't care, because as a Christian, we care. You cannot be controlled. Does that make sense? There's a difference. There, we, we care. When, 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 when people leave, I care. When people get their feelings hurt, I care. We always care. Now, I have to, as a leader, and you will too, you'll have to assess, was it a principle or was it a preference? Is it what God's calling me to do? Or, and then I have to filtrate that through and go, okay, God, I got, I'm going to be obedient to you rather than man. And you'll have to do the same thing. With your family? Come on. I've seen people come here a long time and now, and they're being transformed and God is growing them. And here's the deal. As soon as God starts growing you, you start changing. People, the critics show up. Come on. Oh, you think you're better than us now? Oh, you think, oh, I see. You won't come here anymore. Oh, I see. I see how it is. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just because I'm changing doesn't mean I'm better. In fact, I am very aware of how flawed I am. People love that you're changing until you change. And then they're like, well, you change. And you're like, I know it. I'm so much happier. So much more free. I like myself. (laughs) But people would rather have you be addicted, broken, needy. You know, there are some people that you're around that would rather you be broken and needy because they want to be your fix. Listen, this man could have said, no way. I love the fact that Jesus calls to him and says, stretch out your hand. He could have said, no way. I'm not going to be a mockery. Don't don't call out my issue. Don't don't call out my, can I tell you, we are going to be a grace church, but we're going to speak the truth. And, and, and don't ever be offended And don't ever think "Well, St- I know Stephen's talking right about me I'm not talking about you I'm talking about life I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about things that keep us back From what God has called us to do And here's the thing Is if we don't ever talk about issues Then we can never be set free That's true. Love without truth cripples people But truth without love keeps them babies We're going to grow And that means we may have to look in the mirror. And at times, even in our marriage, at times in my parenting, at times my mouth or my attitude, it didn't line up with what I believed. And if my wife or people in my life did not say, hey, what do you think about that? If they avoided the issue, we'd have never gone to the next level. And God wants you and my family free. Give Him that area. Give Him that area that doesn't look perfect. Don't hide it. Don't act like you're not in need. Come on. We all know we don't always have it all together. Sometimes there are great days. Sometimes there are hard days. Come on. But there are days when we come in, people are like, well, I don't know about this church. Y'all worship because we're broken. We be, We need. We, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm, I'm in a good season right now. But I've come out of a season. And all I'm telling you is we're going to sing. And it's going to be loud. And it may not be good. But I'm fixing to rock this off key. Because God's been real in my life. He's transformed my family. My kids don't know anything about the background that I came from. God does supernatural work. Don't hide it. I know it's uncomfortable. I know, I, I know it, you, it feels safer to hide it than it does for him to touch it. But really, it's not whole if he doesn't touch it. The third is this. Are y'all, are y'all good? Is this good? Amen. The third is this. Jesus can see the heart. Jesus can see the heart. Jesus can see the heart. It's interesting that when Jesus began to start talking, they kept silent. They, the teachers, kept silent. They kept silent. Come on. When in a, race, in a relationship, and, and many of you who are in maybe your dating or marriage or your kids or whatever, it's amazing how silence doesn't always mean silence. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Come on, there are times when, when I, I'm talking and I'm saying something and all of a sudden Katie gets silent. And I know, oh, that silent is saying something. Okay? <laughs> we need to back this truck up. Okay? <laughs> I just said it in a way I didn't want to say it. I wasn't thinking. I was thinking, you know, practically, not emotionally. Come on, somebody. And and that struck a nerve, and I'm thinking, we're handling business. Silent isn't silent, but this silence was saying something. This silence was saying something. Jesus gives the religious leaders the stank eye. Come on, you ever got the stank eye? You ever had a grandma? Ever had a mom, a dad that just could give you the look, and all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, that crossed the line. Jesus has given the stank eye to the religious people, the leaders, because that you are not representing my father. Your love is cold, your heart is hard, and you care more about the law than you do about life. Jesus gives a stank eye. You don't want the stank eye from Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is angry with the response of the Pharisees. Listen, what religion? It's not not about religion, it's about a relationship with Him. When you see withered, it's amazing. When When you think about what withered is, it's dried up, powerless, broken. Here's what is sad is that there was more than one withered thing in the room. See, there was a physical witheredness, but there was also a spiritual witheredness. And you know what? It was dead, dry, and broken, and God could not connect with them because they thought they were okay. Church, we got to stretch out our hand. Obviously, our heart is not to offend people, but the truth is offensive. I want to say that. The truth is offensive. There was a lot of times as a parent, I've had to give some truth to my children, and they were not always, thank you, Father. I appreciate the truth that you have just spoken into my life. Now, I have a 12-year-old who, when I speak truth, there are occasions he thinks that I am wrong. And I am like, hold on, bruh," You know? I'll tell you how this works. I get it. But we're the same. We're the same with God. Listen. Here was the issue. Jesus gave the stank eye because the Pharisees wouldn't do good to the hurting. If we call the hurting good, then we will excuse helping them. If we call the hurting good, oh yeah, they're fine, they're fine, oh yeah, they're fine, oh they're fine. Well, why, why, what's going on in their life? Oh, they're fine. Are they hurting? Who's going out of their way to see the opportunity? Church, we've got to stretch out our hand, because when we stretch out our hand, it's a sign of our heart. The fourth thing and the last thing. The fourth thing and the last thing is Jesus is teaching us that doing good is always the goal. We do good. We do good. That's what we do. We we do good. We've received blessings, so we give. Does that make sense? And so I'm not talking about just monetary. I'm just saying our life, when we show up, God showed up in our life. And when we were nasty and broken, and he said, you know what? I, I want you. And we do the same thing. Yes, this man received his healing. And there was a mighty move of God that day. But the message was bigger than the miracle. The message was that the law was written to excuse people from doing good. It was written to teach people how to live. As a believer, we're always looking to do good for people. You know, a couple weeks ago, our, our church, we, we, we've been in church for 18 months. And we took up $4,400 for the hurricane. $4,400. Now, that may not be a lot to you, but, but, but to our people and to what we're doing, come on, that money was a sign that, that, of our heart. And church, we were able to take a truck. I don't know if you guys got that picture, but, but we were able to fill up a truck with um, R13 sheetrock take it down to, to Dayton, Texas, we gave $3,400 to, we wanted to raise $3,000, come on God, super exceed our expectation, yeah. so we gave $3,400 down to this church that had some moms and people that didn't have flood insurance, and we, we got them back in the where, where they could put up their walls, and then we partnered with a church uh, in Fort Myers called Next Level. And they have done incredible at serving and helping people in Florida. And we sent them a $1,000. Come on, is God good? Come on. (laughs) God is good. We always do good. We do good to our neighbors. We do good. And can I tell you, the biggest time that we blow it Is when we've been distant from the Lord and then come on we're driving mad come on we went through fast food and thought it should have been fast (laughs) but I want to encourage you we always do good we do good to our neighbors it's a hard one because some neighbors you know mow your lawn Property value is going down. Dear Lord. Ah. We always do good. We always do good. The religious were so right, they were wrong. And this week, I want to encourage you to see the four ways that Jesus begins to minister to people. And I would hope that he would be able to minister in you and through you to somebody else. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.